Daniel chapter 1. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, we started there last week, and the theme verse for the month, the verse we want you to memorize is from Daniel, and so we'll be looking there this morning as well. Daniel chapter 1, and the verse we're trying to memorize is verse 8, and you can memorize it in whatever translation works best for you. But Daniel purposing in his heart, and last week we looked at what's your purpose, and so this morning, I maybe should have picked a different title for the message. What are you hungry for? And now you're all thinking about lunch, okay? We're not talking about the hunger in your belly. We're talking about the hunger in your soul. What are you hungry for? What are you longing for, yearning for, desiring? Last week, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah had been kidnapped. They'd been hauled away from Israel in the court in Israel, the king's court. And then they were taken by Nebuchadnezzar's army back to Babylon. They were imprisoned, but they were the fortunate prisoners. They were the ones that were being indoctrinated in Babylonian thought. Uh, verses 3 and 4 said they were chosen because they were good-looking and poised and brilliant and teachable and of noble birth. And they were to be educated and indoctrinated in the ways, the thinking, the beliefs of the Chaldeans and the Babylonians. In our education and judicial system, in our news outlets, uh, we have uh, people that contradict the very word of the living God. And so I, I have a list here of a few things that Kathy shared with me this week. Uh, some of the most ridiculously PC moments of 2018. PC not being the personal computer, but PC being politically correct. And so there's things going on in campuses across our country, and uh, I, I think each of these is, is from a college. But uh, just listen to a few of these particularly strange things. Sadly, one of them was the University of Arizona. Uh, ASU didn't make the list, Tim, so, uh, but U of A did. The University of Arizona hired students to tattle on each other. The school paid social justice activists to report any bias, incidents, or claims to the appropriate residence staff. A resident assistant at Pitzer College, I'm not sure where that is, they sent out a campus-wide email declaring it was unacceptable for white girls to wear hoop earrings because wearing them was culturally offensive to the black and brown bodies who typically wear hooped earrings. You know, the only thing that's bothered me about hoop earrings is how moms with little babies can wear those things. I, I mean, the, our babies were yanking off my glasses, trying to pull off my mustache. What would they do with a hoop earring? But A couple of students at University of California, Berkeley, demanded that they be excused from an in-class exam because they didn't have enough privilege to handle it emotionally. Oh. Doesn't it just get your heart? In fact, Evergreen State College told professors to take students' feelings into account when grading them. I teach at International Baptist College and Seminary, start a new class on Tuesday. 
I don't think I'll take this advice. Uh, school officials actually instructed professors to take into account the emotional commitment that some students made protesting on campus instead of doing their homework. So the work of the students has, uh, has been involved in the protests. Professors should make allowance for that and not hold it against them in grading time. How many of you kids think it'd be cool if your, your behavior didn't count against you with your parents or your teachers, huh? It doesn't really work that way. Um, a school in New York declared the size of classroom chairs as a microaggression against overweight people. A Seattle City Councilman was concerned that hosing off the poop-colored side, sorry, poop covered sidewalks. It's hard to say that right in the pulpit, but it might be culturally insensitive because it could bring black back images when uh, white people were turning hoses on black people during some of the darker days in our culture. Personally, I thought clean sidewalks was a great idea. Uh, a British student union tried to ban clapping and cheering because it might be uh, not inclusive to deaf people. So they instructed the students they could only do the jazz way. Okay, I guess they weren't thinking about being sensitive to blind kids, were they? Uh, <laughs> and a Clemson University diversity training taught participants it was offensive to expect people to be on time because time may be considered fluid in some cultures. So, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad time wasn't fluid for you. I hope that you recognize there are laws of God that apply to humanity regardless of how we might feel about it. Personally, when I was a kid, I didn't like that Children, obey your parents in all things. I thought that was abusive, and it and, uh, violated my personal rights, but my parents loved that verse. When I became a parent, I learned to sympathize with them. Look, Daniel and his friends were in a school system specifically designed to corrupt their faith, but they held true to God. The government school was antagonistic toward their belief in God, as government schools in America are tending to be. But these four men excelled in school while remaining faithful to God. And that's what we want our children and college students, if they're in uh, government or secular uh, community schools or public schools, we want them to excel in school and be faithful to God. That might be a little easier for those that are homeschooled or in Christian schools, but they all should do the same thing. These guys mastered Babylonian history, philosophy, and science. Daniel was the spokesperson for the four in verse 8. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies or meats, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Now, 
Jewish law required their food to be prepared in a kosher fashion. We looked at that last week. The blood had to be drained before cooking, not contaminated by unclean animals, not offered to idols. And so instead of fine dining every day, these four guys chose to eat vegetables and drink water. Now, a, a rule that we can learn from this, just because you live among the Babylonians doesn't mean you have to live like the Babylonians. And in our culture, there are people who live like the Babylonians. We're not supposed to join them. Make a personal commitment not to defile yourself. And last week we saw the sovereignty of God as he allowed Nebuchadnezzar to conquer Israel. And he had, God had prophesied that they would be taken away. 82 years after that prophecy through Isaiah, that's exactly what happened. And so Daniel and his friends ended up in Babylon. But by the hand of God, uh, the chief or prince of the eunuchs had a, a fondness for Daniel. He had a good opinion of Daniel. Daniel was probably a very likable guy. He was in that group of handsome, intelligent, winsome men that were selected. So, uh, but I like what commentator Matthew Henry said, not everyone meets with the acceptance according to their merits. Uh, some people are terminated in spite of doing an outstanding job. That happened to me once. Three months after I got a big bonus for an outstanding job, I was requested to depart from the company. And some people are promoted in spite of their lack of experience. That also happened to me once. And it was way more fun than the terminated part. Uh, but please see the good hand of God, whether you're promoted or whether people turn against you. God is good all the time, every day. And if our heart is in the right place, chasing after God, Romans 8, 28 said, God's going to use everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So in verse 9, when it says God brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs, the King James says uh, tender love, and some have tried to use that to... Uh, argue for a homosexual attraction, but that is no way in the Hebrew text. It's more of a kindness or compassion or being sympathetic to have goodwill toward Daniel. God had already prepared the way for this person to think highly of Daniel. Even before Daniel made the commitment to purpose in his heart, God was preparing the way to allow that to work out. Isn't that cool? In verse 10, the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. How many of you remember that famous or perhaps infamous picture of our governor, former governor, standing with our former president on the tarmac here at Sky Harbor, and Governor Brewer is doing this right in the face of President Obama, and I think she has a framed picture, uh, uh, has framed that picture on her wall, but um, it, it made headlines, right? It made headlines. But you know, when Janet Brewer was doing that toward President Obama, she did not fear for her life. Aren't you glad we live in a different culture? Yeah. 
in their culture, uh, if you've ever read or watched Alice in Wonderland and that uh, queen saying, off with her head, and they go racing to take off her head, that's what the king could do. The king could say, off with his head. That's exactly what Herod did with John the Baptist, and his soldiers took him out and lopped off his head. That's that, so this guy said, you're going to put me in a bad spot. If I, I want to help Daniel because God's already inclined his heart. I want to help you, Daniel, but if I do that, I could die. The king could just put me to death. And so uh, in verse 11, Daniel had a great idea. Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for 10 days. So the chief of the eunuch said, I'm not planning to do that because I think I would die. So now the steward who the chief of the eunuchs had set over them, he said, Daniel said to him, hey, let us try this for 10 days. 10 days is a, a, a good amount of time. 10 days would let him evaluate a little bit. And so uh, let us try for 10 days, and then you give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then in verse 13, then let our countenances be examined before you, and the countenances of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies and meats, as you see fit, so deal with your student or your servants. So Daniel is, in a sense, putting God to the test. He feels burdened to honor God in his eating. And so he said, uh, you give us a 10-day trial period and then you decide if we look feeble and frail, then uh, we'll eat the king's meats. And so uh, he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. Uh, like Moses, who chose to suffer for the Lord rather than enjoy the pleasures of Egypt, Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah chose to eat vegetables and drink water and honor their God instead of enjoying the best meats and pleasures of Babylon. We live in a culture of, with a fear of missing out, FOMO, fear of missing out. But we need to have the right kind of fear of missing out. Christians should develop certain fear of missing out, not of missing out on the blessings and privileges of our culture, but you should have a desire to walk with God more closely so that you will not miss out on some of the things he has for you. We see that in scripture. In fact, in the book of James, uh, God said, you have not because you asked not. Because you're not seeking after God. There's things God wants to do and God wants to provide. But you're not seeking God. So he's not going to provide it for you. Uh, I think you should uh, be here for the adult Sunday school class studying through the book of James and focus on some of those things. Verse, uh, the next thing, you want to be faithful to God every day so that you can enjoy the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. How many of you are married? How many of you in the course of your marriage have had certain days you felt closer to your spouse than others? And, and how many of you blame those days on your spouse? No, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but listen, 
How do you have a close relationship with a spouse? What's something you do? You communicate. That's talking and, guys, ready for this? Listening. Talking and listening. Some guys aren't very good at listening. Some ladies aren't either. But uh, talking and listening. You, you, you learn their heart. And so we need to have a, a desire to walk with the Holy Spirit so that every day is a good day. So that we don't get overwhelmed by our circumstances and fuss and moan and sing those songs like doom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. We don't want to sing those songs. We want to sing to the Lord a new song. We want to be able to say praise the Lord even on the worst day of our life because we're so close to Him, the things of earth are not that pressing. Don't get so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. But realize the stress of today will be forgotten tomorrow. I like to use the illustration of kindergarten. When I was in kindergarten, man, it seemed so hard. I had to sit still and listen, and it's hard for me to do both of those things at the same time. And, but, you know, I haven't stressed about kindergarten for more than 50 years. The turmoil of this, this day will someday be forgotten. Remember that. Another fear of missing out. Uh, you want to be in each church service because you don't want to miss out in what God has for you. It's not the voice of the preacher that's significant or substantial. In fact, somebody said, a friend of mine sent me an email this week, and he, he said, preaching is supposed to be the spoken word opening the written word, exalting the living word. And so you want to be there for the Holy Spirit to speak into your heart and life. You want to talk to others about Christ because you don't want them to miss out. We should have a fear of missing out, but it should be a spiritually sanctified fear of missing out. And not a fear of missing out on the things on earth, but a fear of missing out on the spiritual things God wants to do. So in verse 14, they cons he consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. At the end of 10 days, their countenance appeared better and fatter in flesh than the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Now, we live in a little different culture. In our culture today, uh, they think looking fat is a bad thing. In their culture, looking fat was a, a proof of God's provision and blessing in your life. And... Uh, so when it says they look fat, they did not look gaunt. They did not look like they were starving. They looked like they were being well-fed and well-nourished. And they looked better than all the other guys. So the steward took away their portion of the delicacies and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now, the Bible doesn't say what he did with them, but he took them away from those four and he just gave them vegetables and water, and they flourished. See, in verse number 17, 
as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So they were already intelligent. They were already highly educated before they were brought here. And now God gave them even more. So how did God do that? Do you think they had to study? Do you think they had to attend class? Uh, they had to work and study and learn. But God gave them retention and a tremendous capacity for comprehension. It says uh, they had... God gave them knowledge or perception, learning and reasoning, intellectual capacity. And God gave them skill, the full comprehension and all sorts of literature and sciences in all the literature and, and wisdom, putting it all together with sense and insight. How many of you know somebody who's intellectually smart but doesn't have much common sense? You know somebody like that? Yeah, please don't go like this, okay? If you know somebody like that, that's enough. Um, one of our daughter's friends was like a straight-A student in school, but didn't have much common sense at all. And so the time I spent around her, I thought she was really ditzy. And then when I found out she was a straight-A student, I thought, how does that work? Uh, but sometimes people have academic excellence, but they don't have practical insight. So these guys had both. They excelled in the academics and they excelled in the wisdom of putting it together in life in a common sense and wise way. They achieved a PhD in history, science, languages, literature, political science, and anthropology. But wait, there's more. Daniel also perceived understanding and interpreting dreams and visions. Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. What does that mean? Well, Kathy had a very strange dream the other night. She didn't ask me to interpret it for her. You have weird dreams, don't you? I shared recently, well, a couple months ago, I had a dream that Benjamin and I were hanging out with President Ronald Reagan and he kept pulling goofy tricks on people and, and getting us in trouble for it. And then he would just laugh and we'd say, President Reagan. It was so weird. I mean, I was alive when he was president, but Benjamin wasn't. And it's just a weird dream. I have no idea where it came from. I don't think it was spiritually significant. But some dreams can be spiritually significant. Uh, how many of you ever had a dream and you woke up and you realized in your dream you figured out how to handle a problem? Ever experienced that? Yeah. Was that a dream set from God or just your unconscious mind? I don't know. Daniel's were understanding of dreams that God sent. And so we see multiple times in Daniel's own life, his personal dreams, and in the life of his working with those in leadership, where he could interpret their dreams and help them understand the will and purpose of God. Now, one of the reasons God doesn't work that way today in revealing new truth for all people is because we have the completed revelation. 
And so if you want to know, is somebody teaching the truth of God's word? Read the book. You don't have to have a revelation from God. In fact, if somebody comes up to you and says they have a new revelation from God that you need to pay attention to, I would back up really quickly or walk away because we have the completed word of God. The standard, as my friend said, is the spoken word opening the written word declaring the living word. That's what we want to see and hear. But Daniel, in this day before Scripture was all recorded, in this day before the book of Daniel was written, in this day before the New Testament was written, Daniel had the capacity to understand and interpret dreams. And then at the end of the class, after three years of intensive study, they had a final exam. How many of you love final exams? <laughs> okay. A couple people actually raised their hands, but they didn't do it really high because they know everyone would look at them like weirdo. Uh, they're like, well, I did. Do I have to really confess? Some people do. I never particularly liked final exams. I loved essays. I loved having to write research papers, but... Verse 18, at the end of the days, when the king had said they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. So all these guys have been studying, how many guys we don't know, but a bunch of them, they've all been studying and intensely for three years, and now they come before the king, and verse 19, the king interviewed them, he communed with them, he talked with them, he was both highly intelligent and also highly educated. So they're having an oral exam, much like uh, you might for a PhD or for some uh, undergraduate and master's programs, you have to have an oral exam. And they had this oral exam, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. So all of the guys were going to have opportunity to serve somewhere. They served in the upper echelon. In verse 20, In all matters of wisdom and understanding, about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. And verse 21 talks about Daniel continuing to serve for another 70-some years. Now, when it says he was 10 times, these guys were 10 times greater, they were not 10 times greater than the other newbies. They were not just 10 times greater than the guys in their class. Who does it say they were 10 times better than? What does it say? <laughs> all the guys in the realm, all the magicians and all the astrologers and all the wise men in all the realm, they were 10 times better. That's amazing. It, it reminded me, and I, I was reading it in a commentary, and I thought of it before I read the commentary, and they referenced this too. Psalm 119, verses 99 and 100 I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. 
So Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were compared to guys who had been doing the job for 30, 40, 50 years. Guys who'd been studying for their entire life. And these young guys who probably were 15, 16, possibly as old as 20 when they went into the study program. So they're coming out of it at the oldest. They're 23. It's possible they're still, still teenagers, uh, maybe 19 years old, 19 to 23 in that range. And they graduate from this. And they're 10 times better than all these guys who've been doing it for their entire life. They're, they're more brilliant than their instructors who gave them instruction. They're able to fit it all together. Maybe they had specialists who focused on this part and this part and this part. And so they taught in those different things. But Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah could fit it all together more brilliantly than all of their instructors, than everybody else. The king probably even thought those guys could give him a run for his money. Their real final exam, however, was not by the king of Babylon, but by the king of kings, the Lord. Jesus called Daniel a prophet. Daniel spoke for God, and Daniel was approved by God. That's the real final exam. And someday, perhaps even this day, you and I will have a final exam. We will stand before God. And he won't be looking at your knowledge of history or your capacity to read ancient texts. He'll be looking at your heart. He'll be looking into your heart. He'll be wanting to see, did you chase after Jesus Christ or the things of this world? Have you purposed in your heart like Daniel that you're not going to defile yourself. There are things in our culture that are culturally acceptable, that are legal, but that the Bible says will defile your heart and life. Will you separate from those things? Do you remember the story of Mary and Martha in Luke 10? What was Martha doing? Martha was Cumbered about with much serving. She was distracted and burdened by serving. What was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to the Lord. And Martha finally said, Jesus, tell Martha to get up and help me. She's lazily sitting there on the floor. And Jesus looked at Martha, Martha, Martha. There's many things that you're doing. But there's one thing that's needful. And Mary has chosen that good thing. When I first read that when I was a kid, it didn't make any sense. Because Mary was lazy bones sitting around while Martha did all the work. But the Lord said she wasn't lazy. She was putting her heart toward the Lord. And Martha should have been enjoying her relationship with the Lord more than her service for the Lord. We can get sometimes so busy in ministry that we forget God wants our heart, not just our labor. Do you love the Lord? Do you serve out of love or out of duty? At the front of our bulletin, there's a couple of 
a few words, a couple of verses from the Apostle Paul. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Like Paul, Daniel wanted God's approval. No less, no other. What about you? What are you hungry for? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of Daniel. We thank you for you showing that eventually when we have our ultimate final exam, if we walk with you, it will be worth it. Even if on earth we suffer and do without, in heaven we'll be rewarded for our faithfulness. I pray that we would have a fear of missing out on what you have for us, not what this world has for us. That we would have a longing to be closer to you, to influence others for you. May we, like Daniel, seek your approval, no less, no other. Just you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation called Close to Thee.